Hannah Dunleavy's Outside the Box. Hello and welcome to January's Outside the Box. It's a bit of an odd one this month because I've been on holiday for a couple of weeks so I haven't actually seen anything into the future, if that makes sense. I haven't mm. bothered chasing up the previews for anything because... You've not been out in your time machine? No, I haven't. Um, so I can tell you what's it. coming up time. but I won't have seen much of it. So let's start with Happy New Year and all of that. I am joined by Mick. Hello. What? I know. I wasn't expecting that. It's weird. Yeah. Good day, Cyrus. <laughs> Jen? Hello. Great. <laughs> so, starting at the BBC, the BBC's, like I would say, probably the four widest planks of the BBC's drama programming are its four... I'm going to say that these are its four longest-running series. I may be incorrect, so someone correct me if I'm wrong. But She said that knowing that she knows more about TV than the two of us put together. <laughs> no, but I mean, if someone wants to tell me on Twitter I'm wrong, feel free. But That's what Twitter's there for. Uh, January sees the return of Call the Midwife, which is entering its ninth season. Silent Witness, which is entering its 732nd season. <laughs> Doctor Who, uh, which is, I mean, I, I don't, don't even know. know it's timeless. Mm. Absolutely. And Death in Paradise now entering its... 412? I don't know. Something Is that like just that. an extended lilt advert? Started off with Ben Miller in it, and then that he swapped, and Chris Marshall was in it, and then Ardlo Hanlon was in it, and now he's leaving. Was he in it? Yeah, but he's leaving, apparently. And now they're getting another new actor to play the lead. And, oh, you can have a little guess who it is, if you want. He is the only, this, you might not get this, Jen, but for Mickey, he's the only person to claim to get 10 out of 10 in the infamous standard issue monkeys quiz. Oh, I do remember this, but I can't. I remember. I mean, he's famous it. for lots of other things, but uh, Sam West is it? No, Richard Osman. No, <laughs> no, it's Ralph Little. Oh, mm-hmm. Ralph Little. Yeah, is he back on Twitter? I don't know. Okay, I hope so. I bet Danny John Jules is still on it though, isn't he? He's not apparently. Oh. But uh, in an interesting turn of events, my nephew has made friends with Danny John Jules. Oh, this is a very interesting turn of events. Okay, so some other things coming up that you might want to keep your eye out for. Bearing in mind, these are all things that I have not seen anything of. So here you go. It's like a Brexit deal. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, Cobra, which starts on the 17th of January on Sky. Cobra. As in the Cabinet Office. Uh, Yes, exactly that. Briefing room A. Thing that happens when the government goes into a panic about something. Uh, that stars Robert Carlyle, Richard Dormer, and Victoria Hamilton, who, if you'll know who she is, Jen, she plays the Queen Mother in the early series of okay. The Crown. Mm-hmm. White House Farm, which is coming to ITV. Don't let that put you off. Which is... Uh, it's got your man in it, hasn't it? It has, which yeah. looks... I won't put Jen off. She bloody loves the ITV uh, drama. I really do. looks at the story of Jeremy Bamba. You know who Jeremy Bamba is? He's I've heard of him, but I'd sort the, of In the 1980s, he mm. basically murdered his entire family and claimed that his sister had done it yes. and committed suicide. So romantic comedy? Yeah. <laughs> He's been played by Freddie Fox, who is very, very blonde, and they have dyed his hair black for this, and it looks a bit weird. I don't know if I'll be able to get used to that. Also, Gemma Whelan and Mark Addy, 
who all appear in the trailers. Who doesn't appear in the trailer and yet is the biggest name in it? Stephen Graham. He does. I've seen it. Oh, not in any of the trailers I saw. Okay, yeah, because that's why I said it's got your man in it. Yeah. Because I saw an advert for it on ITV. Obviously, I was drawn in just by ITV and drama. Uh, so I, go- I was like, oh, I wonder what that's about, and I googled so it. So I think we can guarantee that Jen will watch White House. I think it's, I think it's almost like finally Jen's loyalty to ITV might pay off. Yeah. Well, I mean, they do periodically, about every decade, throw out something good, like Unforgotten Occasionally. or Scott Bailey. So, I would know. just like to say loyalty to ITV is not a sentence I ever want to hear in connection to my name. <laughs> Listeners, she is fully branded in ITV merch. <laughs> Over on Channel 4, there's something called Deadwater Fell, which is about the fallout of a house fire. Starts on Friday the 10th, starring David Tennant and Kush Jumbo. Bojack Horseman, final series, returns to Netflix on the 31st of January. Yes. Also, Netflix has a second series of Sex Education, starts on January the 17th. So there are all some things that you might want to watch. Did you watch the first series of Sex Education? I didn't. You did, didn't you, Mick? I did. It's very entertaining, although I'm not sure it's worth the hype it got, but I will probably tune in for the second one. Okay, also coming up on a non-drama front, actually I'd say coming up was it's coming up for us, but obviously this is going out on Friday, so it will already have been on, is a two-part documentary on BBC4, which is called Terror in the Jungle. It is co-produced by Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, two parts, so you're looking at about three hours, and it is about Jonestown. Do we all know what Jonestown is? No. Yes. Okay, Jonestown is probably the most famous example of uh, a cult as started by the Reverend Jim Jones. Yes. Um, yeah. So Didn't end well, Jen. Didn't end well if you were thinking of starting a cult. Don't. You see the Kool-Aid one. Yes, yeah. although that yeah, is interesting because that's actually incorrect. It was a cheap, like, I mean... Punch. Probably mm. the greatest example of this. It's a, it was an off-brand Kool-Aid, as if anything could tell the chosen. But it is story. where the, um, the saying... But it's where the saying, yeah. the Kool-Aid, comes from. But it's interesting. It also now, if you point out to people that it wasn't Kool-Aid, they go, oh, you're just picking, you're just picking uh, flaws in it. And you're like, well, actually, to be fair, but that just goes to prove kind of cult thinking in that if you repeat it enough times, it becomes true. Anyway, you might I think ask, Hannah would make an excellent cult leader. The end oh, of the God. the end of the the story here is is the death by what some people will term revolutionary suicide, and other people will term murder of nine hundred and something people, about half of which were children. So it's it's really upsetting. People might ask why there's been loads of documentaries about Jonestown in the past. People might ask why you bring it up again. Like why is there more stuff about it? Personally, I think there can't be enough stuff about... That's quite interesting. If history offers you a valuable case study, fucking learn something from it. Hello, Cassandra. And even if you want to keep going back to it to learn new stuff from it, it's worth it. Jonestown tends to be famous because of the scale, because it is like so many people. Mm. But what makes it most interesting for me is that the People's Temple, which is what the movement was called, is really right up against the line that separates politics and religion, because it was the self-described socialist movement. It was as much about politics as it was about religion. And from the outside, at the start, it appeared to be a really progressive movement, a really open, inclusive... They were famously unracist at a time when huge chunks of America were racist. If you were running a progressive thing that was about black rights, that was about, you know, workers' rights, you could ring up the People's Temple and they would turn up en masse and protest with you. In San Francisco, where they were, they Mm. were like a powerful force for change it could be argued but at the same time it had a massive dark underbelly so firstly i think it's a really good reminder that 
for just because someone's not racist doesn't necessarily mean they're a good guy. Yeah, is it oh, a bit yeah. like Che Guevara, who ultimately he was just a bit fighty? <laughs> like, he just sort of liked a rock, really. Well, ultimately, Jim Jones was a lot of genuinely terrifying things. I also think it's worth pointing out that, you know, we live in a time where politics and, and it maybe even not not like religion, but maybe actually replacing religion in, in many ways that, you know... If you isolate yourself from dissenting voices, you're in danger of what happened at Jonestown happening to you. If you don't listen to the people that say, hang on, that that bit doesn't quite make narrative sense. How are you squaring that with the rest Mm. of what you're saying? Yeah, like veneration without logic or without thinking or without reason. And if you are othering people simply because they don't agree with you on absolutely everything... High momentum. Well, not just momentum. Yeah, you can no, see it in a lot fair. of places. Yeah. I mean, Trumpism has it, and you can see it in all sorts of social, uh, what we now call the culture wars. So, yes, that is on. Uh, you'll be able to, by the time you hear this now, you'll be able to watch it on the iPlayer if have you want to watch it. You haven't watched it yet? I haven't watched it yet. I have seen several documentaries on Jonestown, um, so I, I can't say what the quality of this is compared to them. But I think if you know nothing about Jonestown, any documentary, you'll learn something about the human condition. Let's call it that. Okay, so what did we watch over Christmas? Anybody watch Gavin and Stacey? No. Christmas special. As you will have seen, that caused quite a stir. Mm -hmm. It appeared to be the greatest showman in terms of critics didn't like it, but the general public appeared to love it. Biggest ratings for years Mm -hmm. for the BBC. I thought it resembled a greatest hits album, and I'm going to leave it at that. The trial of favourite Beatles album. (laughs) The trial of Christine Keeler. Anybody watch that? Yes. Okay. I've watched both uh, of the episodes that have been on. Okay. And it's quite interesting. We might talk about this later, I don't know. But I'm also watching The the Deuce at the moment. Okay, I was going to get on to The Deuce. Yeah. So, well, just that my thoughts on it kind of are related. It's quite hard to watch it and not think about, like, just the commodification of women. Yeah. Again, a bit like I just said with Jonestown. You're like, mm. God, how many times can we go over the Christine Kayla story? Yeah. But in defence of this, it is written from the women's point of view, which is an angle that we haven't seen before. Mm. And I suppose it's interesting to look at what counts as scandal now and what counts as scandal then and compare them. So I think it should be interesting, but it hasn't really gripped me. Um, I, it's hard, isn't it? Because I don't find... I basically have to like at least one of the characters for something to be, like have any appeal okay. to me. I don't really like any of the characters in this. They're all sort of arseholes, really. She's yeah. like she's obviously being like exploited by everyone and that shit and like I said like the commodification of women and she's from a really poor background and she's sort of making the best of her situation and just trying to survive really and finds herself in mm. this pickle that she's in with all of these fucking stupid men being dicks to her basically but she doesn't come across in the best light herself in it the way she's portrayed she's quite manipulative she's quite and again she's sort of doing what she has to do to survive but I don't find any of the characters in it particularly likable so it's quite hard for me to sort of find anything to tie me to it I mean I thought about watching it because I think the third part was on last night but I I thought, should I watch it? And I just couldn't be bothered. And if it's something, that, you know, if this is like feminist drama, I should be more interested in it than I actually am. I'd agree that nobody seems that likeable in it. Also, I found that the first episode, the time frame was really unclear. Mm. There were bits where basically you never really saw them have the affair. She was It was before the affair and then after the affair and the actual yeah. affair. I was like, has it happened yet? I yeah, it was like it that. In... It seemed to leap forward and backwards quite a lot, but... 
But nobody actually said this is the past or this is. It was like that in last night's episode. So when you've just said now, oh, the, that's the third episode. I was a bit like, is it? Oh, it might be. I was like, oh, maybe that's why it didn't make sense. But no, you're right. It does jump around a lot. I will say, I think that um, some of the performances are really good. Yeah. That's about it, really. Yeah. Is it? Did John Hurt make an adaptation? Like a, a there was um, the one that had yeah. the Dusty Springfield song, and uh, uh, Joanna Joanna Wally was Christine Keeler. I think that was like the early nineties, maybe. Mm. I think you're right. I think there what might have been a John Hurt one. In Prague, that one. I like it. Keep going. Um, Keep going. Turn that chair. Turn that chair around. Uh, <laughs> I think it might actually be called Scandal. Yeah, it's called that. Scandal. Yeah, mm. that's the one, isn't it? The chair. Yeah. Yeah. What about Dracula? Has anybody watched Dracula? I have. Okay, I have watched Dracula. I watched one episode and it was not for me. Yes. Too gory for Jen. Yeah. yeah. But also Too orangey for Crow. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't that fussed about it. I wasn't that fussed about the guy in it. Um, what's he called? Clay's Bang. Clay's yeah. Bang. Danish, but does not sound... Is it sound? not Klaus? It I might it's be. Klaus. It's spelled it's Clay's. Yeah. Klaus Bang. <laughs> um... He is in the last series of The Affair. It's the worst series of The Affair. And he plays like a sort of bit of a like rock star English actor called Sasha Mann, who's just fucking awful. And he's basically playing the same character as Dracula. I quite like right. that they made Dracula a sort of estuary wide boy. I know, I'm not sure <laughs> yeah. why, but I, I quite like that. But my problem, and this is it's obviously very, very subjective, Dracula is supposed to be super glamorous and super sexy and charismatic. He's quite sexy and charismatic. I, 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 he I think he sexy. looks like David Williams. I thought he's quite sexy and charismatic. Yeah, in I fact, I, 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 I... He looks too like David Williams okay, for me to be Okay, let's just clear up some this. stuff at the top. This is three-part series on the BBC written by... Mark Gatiss and Stephen Moffat, who famously made Everything. Sherlock together. Sherlock, I dislike intensely because I find it incredibly sentimental, nauseatingly sentimental in parts. And it's very tell-don't-show. It's like lots of people yeah. saying that they love each other when I think it's a lot more powerful to actually see them do things that prove they do love each other. But they have She it. just wants more fucking... That doesn't prove love. <laughs> fucking prove love, Mickey. I'd love way too many people. <laughs> Turn that chair back round. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I went in with this, I have to say, a, with a slightly sceptical air. and Going I was with a head tilt. Yeah, and I was one round by the first episode, which I think is the strongest, because one thing that Mark Gatiss like, absolutely knows inside out is horror. He is an absolute horror connoisseur, so he's on really solid ground in the first episode. Second episode I thought was clever. And then I thought the third episode was absolutely appalling. It was Sherlocky. It was, oh, look at this clever structure we've made to fit all this stuff in. And it seemed to lose all kind of character development and stuff. Why he's an Essex wide boy, I don't know, but I did quite like him. I thought he's meant to be a bit kind of like Mick Jagger swaggery kind of. That's sort of yeah, what I was getting from it. I very much liked the idea that Dracula, by drinking someone's blood, absorbs their qualities, yeah. their knowledge, their characters. And so he'd been like, I'm going to feast on some... Essex wide boys in the background, mm -hmm. I don't know. But um, I thought that was a really nice addition to the story. I thought it was schlocky, which I like, because I, I, like you say, Mark Gatiss really knows horror, and that it had that League of Gentlemen vibe. I didn't think it was schlocky enough if that's what it was going for. And it had some funny bits, but I didn't think it was funny enough if that yeah. was what it was going for. Yeah. And after the end of the first episode, and I, like, I also liked that it, um, the, the big nod to vampire 
movies and stuff made about vampires that almost stop motion animation when they moved and when the the undead were moving. Mm. I really liked it, but I just felt it didn't know what it was and therefore I didn't know what it was. And I guess because I didn't find the main character super engaging. I thought he was I thought he was funny, but yeah, it I just didn't even after the first episode I was like, I don't know what I'm watching. But I watched all three mm. and I watched them all in a sesh. Yeah, so the first one I was like, okay, and uh, Gary really liked it, so he's like, oh, let's watch the second one. Yeah, okay, that's fine. And it was just sort of Sunday evening. But the third one, I was like, are we watching a different program? Yeah. Have you pressed play on the wrong thing? What is what is happening? Wasn't the story all wrong in the first one? Well, no, it's no, not. it's it... really, really true to the book. The first is it? one. Does she? Is there a nunnery in the actual book? Yeah, there's yeah. a convent. I mean, obviously, she's like Brand new Van Helsing was a man. Yeah, yes. I like that they made. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And also, I have to say, uh, Dolly, Dolly Wells, Dolly Wells. Uh, it, have you ever seen Doll and M? It's a really great little sitcom that Sky used to have on. Dolly Wells' best friend is, em- Emily, is Mortimer. Emily, Emily Mortimer. Who they've been best friends since they were about five. And obviously Emily Mortimer has done a lot a lot better career-wise mm. than, than Dolly Wells has. And therefore that they basically play exaggerated versions of themselves in this sitcom where Emily Mortimer is really successful and Dolly Wells basically acts as her PA. So it's actually nice to see her get a really good role and a big role. You're like, yeah, little, little doll's got a role. I found Agatha really annoying. I thought she's she quite really funny. Weird. I thought when it got to the third series and she, the third episode, and she was switching between playing the two roles in the same body, it was too much for me. I, like I say, I find I find Stephen Moffat stuff to be very arch, like a wink at the camera, mm. like basically. And it's a bit I, punter, I felt yeah. the nearest, the nearer it got, the, it got to the end, the nearer it got to that. Because I thought the middle stuff was quite good. There's a really great little, uh, essentially, cameo by uh, Nathan Stewart Jarrett who. Used to be a misfits, and actually, is also, also in, in the trial yeah. of oh, yeah, Taylor. he was great. I thought he was really great. So there were bits that were really good. I liked good. the boat bit, and also the Demeter. guy, the Yusuf Kirkor, who plays uh, Sammy in Home, was also the chef with one hand in that. I thought he was great. It all got a little bit in the third one, a bit gothic Doctor Who. Yeah, and well, that's where Stephen Moffat was came yeah, from. Yeah, wasn't but it? I'm, not, I'm not. I wasn't there for that. No, but and I'm not, and I'm not yeah. there for Russell T Davis stuff in general. So I think it's a whole genre mm. that doesn't appeal to me. Why couldn't? Why did she have to take a selfie to know what she looked like? Why couldn't she just, you know, look at her arm? I get I the reflection know. bit. I, th- I thought it added some interesting aspects. It didn't work for me. No, I would say I thought the first one was good because having having been utterly terrified when when I was ten, we went on a school trip to Whitby mm. for like a pretty much a night. I think we drove up there, stayed a night and came back, for which my mum paid like 50p a week for about a year. Um, <laughs> Did you buy it in a cattle? Yeah. Well, that's how, when you didn't have any money, yeah, yeah, how no. your mum used to pay for your school trips, like in instalments. And uh, when we were at Whitby, they took us up to the Abbey. I, d- I felt like it was midnight. It wouldn't have been because we were children, but it was definitely dark. And they told us the story about how Dracula arrived. And it, I mean... Maybe the entire school trip was so short because I needed to be taken home to be with my mother because I was absolutely fucking terrified. Yeah. That is it. so funny. So terrified. And I, the feeling of terror that I have from that, the memory of terror that I have from that, I've actually also been to a place that claims to be Dracula's house in Transylvania. And I've, I've felt a slight of it again there. And when he's in that house and he can't find the way out of it, oh, it's that, that does, that does 
bring that terror back to Just me, a little Whitby say. story. We went on a school trip to Whitby. We went for four nights and stayed at the youth hostel, which is right near the Abbey. It's an amazing place to stay if you go to Whitby, which is beautiful. It is lovely, Whitby. And on the first night, they took us the first evening, yeah. and we were ten. And they told us a story about Dracula. Yeah. And I cried all night and wanted to go Age home. inappropriate, guys. What are you I doing? Know. Do you know what? We saw a black dog on the way home. And I oh. almost thought I actually like basically climbed up the back of my teacher. And like never, hung around her neck. I've never read the book. But like I have watched quite a lot of vampire stuff. And it is a story like it is a really engaging and... You know the well, story. Sexy, aren't they? Well, they are bloody sexy, aren't sexy. they? Sexy. They're all about the sexy oh, sex. They are. And uh, I don't and the think. Biting. Yeah, but that's a bit sexy in itself, isn't it? If you think um, about it. Yeah, I haven't read the book, but I do usually watch. I have watched a lot of vampire stuff. I was like, as you know, massive fan of Buffy as a teenager. Yeah. Mm. Quite like the vampire stuff. Kieran Millwood Hargraves, yeah, young the a girls. yeah adaptation of it. A young a YA adaptation of it is like fucking brilliant. So I do, I do like a bit of that stuff, and I have to say, like, it was too gory for me because I am a bit fucking lame about stuff like that. But I would have persisted with it anyway if it had really grabbed yeah. me with the first episode, and and it didn't. Really. Well, Bram Stoker's Dracula is is quite high camp when you read it now. Yeah. There's a lot of like glances across tables and fires and biting and and sexy sex. That's it. Yeah, and the female characters are what female characters were in Victorian novels written by men. Sexy sex holes. Yeah, or, or just holier than thou. Yeah. Like, yeah. Sexy sex holes. Sexy sex holes or the driven snow. <laughs> They're your options, girls. Interesting the kickback that came about the whole gay thing. That For a while on Twitter I saw lots of people going, what was the gay oh, thing? oh, because Mark Gatiss has written it, they had to write a couple of gay plots in it. And I'm like, if you haven't known that basically vampires are a homoerotic fantasy for as long as they've existed. <laughs> I didn't know that. Oh, oh. yeah, yeah. I also, thought it was just all, it was just the fucking. It's well, just all the fucking, basically. Vampires very it? much will fuck anyone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're yeah. just... All the, all the Anne Rice stuff is incredibly homoerotic, True isn't it? True good. No. Oh, um, Interview with the Vampire. Interview with the Vampire. Yeah. It's, uh, so it's, Pitt, I'm surprised Tom that people Cruise, have yeah. never thought that there were gay undertones in it before now. And by that, I mean the viewers, like, that were complaining about how Margatis had put gay characters in. I'd never really thought of it in that way, to be honest, but I just thought they were just dope. They weren't that that fussy. They just wanted to fuck, And basically. he holds a goal. They're yeah. just DTF in general. Yeah. Yeah. OK, let's take a break. That seems a note to end on. <laughs> let's take a break and come back and talk about some other stuff. Welcome back. As I say, we haven't actually had much chance to watch what was on, but I know people are quite often have to stay in in January because they're hard up. So what there is is an, an absolute embarrassment of riches on Sky and Now TV at the minute and also on Channel 4. So I thought we were all, all have a little pick of something that we really enjoyed watching or a couple of things that we've enjoyed watching and we've never really talked about that we know are available on those things. I know Mickey, for example, has been re-watching Freaks and Geeks, which is on all four. I did re-watch Freaks and Geeks, and once I got over having to watch adverts, guys, wow. it was terrible. It was such a hardship. Um, but after I got over that, I bloody loved it. It was amazing. It's so, so beautifully written, and even though it's very clearly set in the mid-80s, it's timeless in that kind of trying to fit in at school or trying to be a misfit at school and just 
trying to find friends that suit you and being of that age, particularly Lindsay's character who is 17 and is from a very conservative, small C and mm. like Republican um, family, doesn't agree with their politics, wants to branch out, but doesn't quite know where she wants to go. I think there's a lot to relate to in that. Mm. But I've got to say, it's not the freaks who steal my heart. It's the geeks. Oh, the geeks are amazing. The geeks are lovely. Who'd have thought? It's the, the three 13-year-old boys yeah. I am I am there for. They're just so funny. And again, loads of stuff that I related to being a misfit at school. And uh, just Bill. Martin Starr was 16 when he made that. And I... Was he only 16? I don't think there is a better example of a young person seeming to have an intrinsic understanding of the thin line between comedy and tragedy as he has at that age. I mean, it takes people into their 30s and 40s before they start to understand comedy and tragedy. I mean, I know everyone says that comedy and tragedy are the same thing, but to actually genuinely really be able to get it and put it over in a performance, to do that at 16 is incredible. Absolutely incredible. I would just say, if you've not watched it, then absolutely brave the adverts and get it watched because it is it's just joyous it's just so lovely and warm and funny and candid and it has some really good bits of satire and politics in there as well what they could get away with obviously because it was it for NBC yes NBC so So they they talk about drugs but in a very preachy fashion yeah and everyone who's done the freaks uh, potheads and if you've ever smoked you will get you will get payback for that at some point um, or go mad, as Lindsay does in one episode. But yeah. it's it's so good. It is. And it is one of those things that, if you watch now, you watch with the knowledge that it's finite, which you don't mm. have if you start watching something and it's cancelled. So it might be slightly less painful for you. Do you know you. why they didn't... Just didn't get good figures. And it's it all, my so-called what, what, life all over again. What is really nice about Freaks and Geeks, though, because a lot of things now, because they're made to try and get a lot more seasons... It's got an end. It all wraps up. Yeah. You don't come away like at the end of Carnival season two going, oh, my God, I need to track someone down so and kill them. So they knew it was going to end and they yeah, just wrapped it up. Yeah, they get a warning uh, sort of about, the, I think they get three weeks or something that they're going to be cancelled. A lot of. Mm. But quite often people work a little bit in advance because they work really differently on American TV from what I can gather. So they'll have about four in the bag before they start. And then, so I yeah. suppose... Um, yeah, but they did have to attempt to wrap it up quite quickly. Um, I mostly know about this is because when Arrested Development was cancelled, you can see it happening in real time On uh, in the third series of Arrested Development. They actually talk about it on screen in Arrested Development. They're saying, maybe HBO will come and save us, and then staring straight at the camera. You also, Mick, have finally watched some Succession. I've watched yeah. all of Succession. All of it. And, and sadly, it's not available unless you want to buy it at the moment. Is it not? No. It was on Now TV and it's Sky. Not. They don't, things don't stay on Now TV forever. It has forever. not stayed. Mm. So we uh, bit the bullet and bought it. And, you know, I'm, I'm pleased with that. I'm very, very happy to own it. It's one of the best bits of telly that's been made. I feel like we say that quite a lot, but it is just... It's incredible. It's, oh. And Brian Cox quite rightly just picked up a Golden Globe for and his portrayal of Logan drama. Roy and Succession won Best Drama. And the what I really loved about the little clips I've seen of the Golden Globes is just that they are a family and a much more functional family than the Roys yeah. are in uh, Succession. So we can revisit the two things that I'm most interested about in that series now you've watched it. Uh, the first one is Shiv fucking over the entire of womankind. Shiv by- is 
fucking awful. Isn't she? By going and telling that woman, oh, you're going to have to live with this for the rest of your life if you do this. And basically talking a woman out of... Uh, testifying. Testifying in a sexual assault charge. I think the whole handling of the cruises and that situation yeah. is really interesting. You can totally see... I think when I've... Obviously, because I've interviewed Jodie Kanner and Megan Toohey yeah. and read about... I talk about Weinstein quite a lot and what's going on there and the, the movement that's followed. I feel like, how are people like not... Why aren't you coming forward? Why aren't you coming forward? And I know that there's this like hush ups and cover ups and NDAs. I, obviously, I know that. But you think, oh, there must be more people willing to stand up. And it turns out they have come forward now. But watching that and watching how people are forced to react because they're scared for their jobs, they're scared for their own lives, they're scared for their own security. I think they've done that really, really yeah. well. Because Jerry, who I actually really like as a I character, love Jerry, and we'll get on to Jerry in a minute. Is she's astonishing and she just plays the game. Yeah. I thought it was it was a fascinating handling of it, but Shiv can go fuck herself. She's a, I think she's the worst. Character. She's the worst one of all of them because okay. So now let's go on to my favourite. Except favorite I character. can't, I can't, I can't feel sorry for Tom because he's a douche. Because he's a dick. Yeah. Anyway. My my favourite character, uh, Roman, because Roman has the one thing that none of them have. Roman has self awareness. Mm. He actually knows what he is. And mm, the I think other Kendall thing that gets I, it a little bit. The other thing that I wanted to talk about is episode four, the safe room episode, which I actually think might be one of the best episodes of telly ever written because it's kind of a three prong attack. Firstly, there's the comedy of Tom and Greg being in the wrong safe room, which just has so many jokes in it, and all the comedy of trying to get out whether that guy's really into Hitler or not. Yeah, Greg listing all the reasons why it's not a safe room is brilliant. Yeah, but the attack child, which still now <laughs> yeah. just makes me laugh thinking about it. The second thing is that Connor has to go to a funeral and give an entirely neutral eulogy, which is one of the funniest things I've ever seen on TV. He she, was a man, and now he is dead. She was married to him for 15 years, and now she's it's sad. sad. <laughs> it's just everything about that. And the last thing is that phone call that happens between Jerry and Roman, which is incredible. Wow. Because... They are the power couple we didn't they, know we needed. Exactly. Uh, boss and Toss, as I now call them. Because he basically is being a dick and threatens to have a wank on the phone to her and she entirely snatches the power away from him by going with it and it goes from him being basically sexually harassing a woman in the workplace to absolutely falling in love with her he just follows around now it's incredible just jerry is amazing sticks up for her in front of his dad more than shiv does for her husband yeah totally it's incredible I think, yeah, I think... Oh, the she Roman, throws Tom right under the bus. Roman and Jerry's relationship is one of the most interesting things that's happened on TV in such a long time. Albeit, it's her just saying, you're a twat, and they having a wank. I love it. Weirdly. Kieran Culkin is Italian chef's kiss. Yeah. He is, oh, he's so good. Yeah. So good. Well, they're all sublime, and, you know... It kind of should go with that. Actually, Brian Cox. I like Brian Cox enormously and very luckily once bumped into him at a bar and he said hello and apologised for bumping into me. He has a very Al Swearingen cadence in this. Yes, but obviously he's he's quite hammy in some stuff yeah. and I think but he he's good hammy yeah like a delicious Christmas ham um I'm sorry I've just thought about when he says oh god it smells like the cheesemonger died and left his cock in the brain oh <laughs> it is the writing's incredible as well but Brian Cox is like it, Logan Roy is just awful but so brilliantly yeah. awful and I, I agree. There's a bit of Al Swearingen there. You know, he's great in Deadwood, but he's very he's hammy because he's playing yeah. an actor. I just think I'm so pleased he's got some recognition. Yeah, 
for this. Agreed. I'm really glad I've got someone to talk to. I'm going to stop, but we can do more of this in the pub. Season three. Please do, guys. Season, <laughs> yeah, Jen's loving this. Season three is already like, it's happening, isn't it? Yeah. It's had the green light. Yeah. Even gonna, though it's not getting great figures. So we're going to try it. and get Lucy Preble in to talk to us about it because she um, writes and produces it. Um, there's a couple of things that I uh, are definitely on Now TV that you will be able to watch that I just wanted to throw in recommendations for. And that is that both Band of Brothers and The Pacific are in their entireties uh, up mm. there to stream. If you don't know, Band of Brothers and The Pacific are, I suppose, what I would make, uh, along with uh, Saving Private Ryan, sort of make up the trilogy that I'm loosely going to term World War Two, You Bad Bastard, made by Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg. You must quite have seen. old, aren't they? Band of Brothers is 2000. Was yeah. That? I thought it was yeah. 90s. Interesting. 2000 and... It might have been made in 99, but it was only on in 2008. Right, and it's got that handsome man from Game On in it, hasn't it? It's got... Band of Brothers got about, I would say, probably yeah. 40 people who are famous in it. it I can't even... Like, Andrew Scott's in it. He's called either Ben Chapman or Ben Chaplin. I oh, can't no, remember. Ben Chaplin's in... Uh, you're thinking of The Thin Red Line. Yes, I am. Yeah, which is a fucking excellent film. It is a brilliant one. It's a similar, but it's a similar vein of storytelling. The, the Pacific, the Pacific is like thin the red, thin red line. line, right? Yeah. Um, Band of Brothers is set in Europe. Uh, it is follows. You must have seen Band of Brothers. I have seen. Band it of Brothers. follows a group, uh, Easy Company, which is part of the 101st Airborne, so paratroopers dropped into France on D-Day, and it follows their journey through to the end of the war. They actually had a very what you could possibly describe as exciting journey, Operation Market Garden. They were at the Battle of the Bulge. They liberated Landsborough concentration camp, and they also took <coughs> the Eagle's Nest, which is Hitler's house. So, you, I mean, in box-ticking t- exercise, this was the group to follow. And it is really good, and it's got, like I say, dozens of famous people. Even people who were barely in it are now famous. Tom Hardy, Michael Fassbender, all yeah. sorts of people. Simon Pegg, who were in little two-minute roles, oh, yeah, like, turned out to be really famous. Can I just say, so the reason I mentioned Andrew Scott is because I listened to... He is also in. Yeah, yeah. well, he, I, I listened to an interview that he did with Elizabeth Day on her podcast, which is excellent, called How to Fail. And he talks about how awful filming Band of Brothers yeah. was because they were supervised by vets and um, they had to call their guns their weapon the whole time. And he said, and if you forgot and just went, oh, I've left my gun over there, they would make you get down and do 20 press-ups. They all let's go on a boot camp and all sorts... Pacific was 10 years later, doesn't have as uh, nearly as many famous people in it. Possibly the only person who is actually, I would say, anywhere close to a household name that's in it is Remy Malik, And that's only quite recently yeah. that people have learned who he is. Obviously set in the Pacific. It is an entirely different like state of affairs, as in it's a, like a completely different war. I think it's interesting because we don't often talk about the war in the Pacific. And if we do, we tend to talk about British interests in it. And by us, I mean British people. We'll talk about like... Singapore and what was going on in that neck of the woods rather than like so basically the Marines had to do a slow climb up a series of basically D-Day on about 14 different islands on the way up the chain to try and get to Japan it's a horrible war and where Band of Brothers as the name suggests is about the collective yeah the Pacific is very much about the individual and by necessity it's way darker like brutally horribly darker so maybe it won't be your cup of tea but if you're looking to learn some things about the pacific or you know i know lots of people have an opinion on why uh, on whether or not that bomb should have been dropped or not so you know maybe if you want some context for how that bomb ended up being dropped the pacific is probably the answer Hmm. jen 
Um, I have talked about this on the podcast before. I think only Series 1 is available at the moment, and it is only at the moment. I don't know how long it will be there for. As discussed, now TV stuff does not stay up forever and ever. But Big Little Lies, if you haven't watched it, first, well, I think both series are great. But the first series is really good. It's got really, really good cast. It's got Nicole Kidman, Reese Witherspoon, Zoe Kravitz, Laura Dern... Alexander Skarsgård. Alexander Skarsgård. I don't get it, but I am alone here. It's really, really, like, the performances are great. It's really funny. It's really engaging. Uh, Meryl Streep's in the second series, for fuck's sake. But that's not on there, so ignore that. But it's really, really good. If you haven't seen it yet, I would definitely give that a bash. Great, you've seen Big Little Lies, have you? I have, yeah. I've only seen the first series. I didn't watch the second series. You liked it, though, didn't you? I did. It was very entertaining. I watched it quite quickly. Uh, Yeah, I didn't love it as much as you, but it was definitely very, very good. And it was really good to see so many women with parts they can get their teeth into. That was really good. And it's all produced by Reese Witherspoon, isn't it, who is like sort of trying to do her thing to get women in sort of better, better parts on TV. And also, I was Googling it after discovering it was back on Now TV. And I don't think they're making a third series, which I'm quite disappointed by. But um, I think just because it, they feel it reached its natural conclusion. I like that, though. I respect for that. Same with Fleabag. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I just I just want to watch those women performing yeah. together. I think that's a forever. nice feeling yeah. to walk away with, though, isn't it? Yeah. Like, oh, I wanted more. Well, maybe, what did they have for their tea? Just tell yeah. me anything. But there also <laughs> might be another situation where in the future, like... I mean, I was watching Watchmen before Christmas and I absolutely fucking loved it. Damon Lindelof has said, I have no, I've taken this where I want it to take it. And if anybody else in five years' time thinks of another way to take it, then I think they should have a crack at it. But as far as I'm concerned, it's finished. So who knows? Maybe yeah. that somebody will think of something else in the future that will revive it. Small, think, massive truths. I think yeah. the second series was directed by Andrea Arnold. Was it? I believe so, yeah. A and Yes. Um, she's pretty awesome. And a British director. But I think there was some slight controversy about her not doing the last couple of episodes or something like that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Talking of controversy, mm. have you seen the thing about American Gods? No. Oh, no what's the Orlando Jones, who is the best thing in American Gods by about 400%. Has been has been written out, or Mr. Nancy is gone. Oh, yes, he's amazing. And according to Orlando Jones, who has been very open about this on Twitter, it's because they felt that his character was too angry. And Orlando Jones is now very angry because he thinks that were that a white character that that would not have been an issue now I yeah because Ian McShane's so mild mannered in it yeah I have seen not much by way of response to those accusations by Orlando Jones in an official capacity however what I will say is Orlando Jones' appearance when he first turns up in American Gods and is so angry he inspires people to set fire to a ship is probably one of the best scenes on television of the 2010s so I think it's disappointing that I mean, he's gone, but there you go. I can't be at this. So angry. Like, obviously, I've never, I've, I've not seen this program, so I don't really know. But that does seem stupid to me that you don't like that the character. That's his character. Do you know what I mean? Like, why are you going to write a character out who's written angry because he's angry? That just seems stupid to me. No, but but uh, uh, he is an exceptionally angry black man. 
Right. right. No, I mean, I understand, yeah. like, so the I political... Think, yeah. I think... I mean, I don't know what their thinking was, because, like I say, it was all currently I've seen is what Orlando Jones yeah. has put... Quite regularly, it on would Twitter be for about the last two weeks. It would be a bonkers. I just think I feel like that would be a bonkers thing to do. It like, seems to, strange to create yeah. a character exactly, and then go. Well, we'll write and him out. Go, oh, hang on, people that was don't a bit like harsh. him. Let's write him out. Yeah, could they just? They could just make him less exactly. angry. <laughs> yeah, they've got they've got the power here. Okay. Exactly. So one last thing to say, Jen, you've started watching The Deuce. Now, I don't know how you're mm. watching it. Has it all been released at one go on Sky? Yes, it's it all has. on okay. Sky. You can watch it all now. I That's have amazing. watched seven out of eight episodes okay, in I like have, a couple of days. Are all the series on Sky? Sorry? Are all series on Sky or just this I one? I don't know, Not actually. Always. I wonder whether it's because Can they held on to it so goddamn long that they released it all at once. I don't know, actually. You would have to, you'd have, to have a little I, I look bet, at that. I bet it is, because I would imagine... They quite often do do they, that well, on they Sky. They want to encourage you to yeah. watch yeah, one yeah. thing by letting you watch yeah. the others. That might be my time. Yeah. Um, um, I thought it was absolutely cracking. Oh, my God, it's so... It's so, so, so good. It's so good, like, on so many levels. And I saw uh, a friend of Standard Issue, Jane Hill, tweet the other day, is anyone else watching this? Because I don't feel like anyone's talking about it. And she's right. I don't know that many other people who watch it. When you think it's David Simon and all of that, I don't think it has had, like, the, the level of kind of... But also, if you consider the... Yeah. Yeah, but I don't think that many people have actually watched The Wire either, when you consider it. I mean, who, the, the reason that everybody talks about The Wire is that the people who watch The Wire fucking love it. So they talk about it a lot. But it was a, all very much a word of mouth hit, The Wire. It, it never came a bit later of here, didn't level it? Level of, yeah. of publicity. It, it, it's not the sort but of thing I'm surprised. That, that people throw through their money behind. I'm surprised that on the basis of his pedigree now yeah. that the Deuce hasn't had more kind of like hasn't had more people wanging on about it. I think it's fucking amazing. Uh, it's so again like I'm watching it at the same time as the Christine Keeler thing. Yeah. So you can't not think about this like commodification of women and the damage. Okay, well, so that's the... really interesting because I a, a, a big row erupted at, at when at the end of the Deuce when it was yes. in America because. Alan Sepulveda, the critic, asked David Simon about the question of whether or not James Franco should have been sacked when he, between the first and the second series, James Franco was accused of a number of things. And the feeling was that he should have been, he should have been sacked. And uh, David Simon gave a response which annoyed a lot of people. And there was a lot of talk from, I would say, from young women who are justifiably angry about other things, but I would say possibly don't know enough about David Simon because I don't think that that guy should be called a not a supporter of women, because I actually find that to be wildly inaccurate. You know, he was the first person to say that he was pulling out of Georgia when it introduced the heartbeat bill, and it caused other people to pull their production companies out of Georgia, and that was a, a, a support of women. He also spoke to his, his producers and said to them, how do you feel about feeling new scenes? Took feedback, created this thing called uh, Intimacy Coordinator, which yep. is now rolled out across all, all HBO it, yeah. stuffs, which arguably is the best move for women actresses. And really groundbreaking as well. Exactly. All down to David Simon. And the last thing is, in this series, and you'll have seen it by now, they have a conversation about whether porn can ever empower women. And not only does he put that conversation on television... He has three separate voices, really. Candy, mm. Laurie, the girl who works behind the bar, and not just someone who is a, a fan of Andrea Dworkin, actually an actress playing the real Andrea yeah. Dworkin, who have a debate on whether porn is feminist or not. And any man who finds the time to present that even within feminism, 
people don't agree on pornography, I don't think you can criticise that he doesn't support women because he's like, hey, look, they don't all think the same. They all have many varied opinions. And I think that conversation is one of the most interesting things that have been on TV in I such think, a long time. I think it's hard to have watched any of it and not and, and think like that he is not for, you know, that yeah. he is against women. But particularly in this series, it really, really, really does. So, you know, I think his commitment really does come across yeah. quite obviously. It's really, really interesting. Uh, it's It's horrific. It's tragic. It's you know, all of the things that it has been before. Um, but it's brilliant. And I think, like, you know, men watch it as well uh, yeah. because I think you'll learn a lot, guys, yeah. basically. Absolutely. Agreed. OK. Anybody got anything else to say? I watched Upstart Crow. I'd already uh, seen the first two seasons, but I hadn't seen the third season or the Christmas specials because my... The way I was getting it was not allowing me. But now I have a, a TV licence, so it's good. I can watch it all. And it's on iPlayer, and it's brilliant. And it's very easy to have a go at Ben Elton, but that is a genuinely funny series. And it also, as is Ben Elton's way, tackles something really sad really beautifully. Yeah, I agree. And after you've seen the whole series, you should totally get tickets to come and see it live uh, at the theatre, because that starts soon. And we're going, aren't we, Hannah? We are. Everybody got for Christmas. I didn't. Yeah. Fox. No. You don't watch it. I don't. To be fair. <laughs> you don't. Okay, so until February. Thank you. Good day. <laughs> <laughs> Hannah Dunleavy's Outside the Box. 